Welcome back. You are listening to Practice Purchased, Season 4, Episode 9. This is how to decide between two loans. So if you do things right, when you get to the point in your deal where you have a practice in mind, you have a signed LOI, you've talked to banks, the goal is that you have at least two banks compete against each other. No more than three, and that's something we can get into at um, on another episode. But hopefully, if all goes well, you'll have two banks very eager to lend to you. Both banks will present you with offers, and you're going to have to decide between those two bank loan offers. How are you going to decide? How are you going to pick? I'll tell you one thing that drives me nuts as a buyer advocate, as someone who works with buyers like you day in and day out, is that too many people assume what I call Facebook logic or dental town logic. And they think the only comparable point on a loan is the rate. And so there, that's why you get these asinine threads on Dentaltown and Facebook where people compare loan rates. And as you know from listening to episodes three and eight, that debt service coverage ratio is different on every deal. And the banks, they do their financing decisions based on numbers both specific to the practice and specific to the borrower, none of which are going to be identical from deal to deal. So it's just stupid. It's just stupid to compare two rates when you don't know anything else about the deal. Now, it's not stupid to have a sense and a pulse uh, on what's happening in the lending market so that if the prevailing rate is somewhere between, I don't know, three and a half and four percent, and you're getting a loan offer for six percent, yeah, you're probably getting screwed. It'd be good to know that. But because your buddy down the street two years ago got, a, you know, I don't know, a 3.29, and now a bank is offering you a 3.39, and you're up in arms because you think you're getting ripped off by the bank, well, that's just you being uneducated and being stupid. No offense. <laughs> so this episode is going to talk through how a banker would decide between two loans, right? This is Hey, this is me asking Mike uh, with B of A. Hey, Mike, put yourselves in the shoes of a borrower for a second. If you were forced to pick between two bank loans, what criteria would you pick? Now, spoiler, rate is one of the more important aspects, but it's not the only one. And he's going to talk with you about what else to consider and what else is important. So as you listen to episode nine, listen closely and enjoy. In this section, we're talking again with Michael Pakula with B of A. Uh, Michael, hello. Hello, thanks for having me again. Really excited to talk with you. We've got two more sections to cover um, in this uh, series on dental loans and how buyers should need to think about um, the issues surrounding borrowing money to buy a practice. And the first topic we're going to talk about is how to decide between two loans. Now, Mike, let me give you the, pr- the premise of this. And you tell me first, before we even get into the questions and content and things, Tell me if you agree with the premise. And my premise is uh, that almost every buyer listening to us talk should be shopping their loan with at least two banks. And if they've done a good job preparing themselves as a buyer, and if they've done a good job finding a decent practice for sale, chances are good that those listening to us chat will have options between banks in terms of who they pick and you know loans and, and, and they're going to be able to decide loan A or loan B. Now, I know that you would prefer 
if everyone just called you and never talked to a competitor ever again in their lives. <laughs> um, and that I'm sure would be, they, they would be well served to do that. Um, let's assume for a minute, we're talking about some other bankers. <laughs> first of all, do you agree with the premise? Is that a reasonable assumption and a reasonable premise for the rest of these questions? Yes, absolutely. And of course, I would love for everyone to just call me. It wouldn't change the way that I service anyone. Um, but I would beware of people who are really hard pressed to tell you not to talk to another lender. Um, that to me would be concerning. I think if you're a dental specific lender, like, like we are, I'm pretty confident in our product and happy to, to go up against whomever I have to do so. Perfect. Another way to say what I'm saying is um, uh, if you're a dental lender and you put your best foot forward, you're confident that you can win the deal based on your products, your services, and everything else. And I think that's what you're saying. So Exactly. exactly. Yeah. All right. So our premise is uh, those uh, dentists listening to us have two loan offers in front of them. Now, um, first question, actually not in front of you, Mike, so pop quiz. Um, you've got loan approvals and loan proposals. A lot mm -hmm. of dentists don't understand the distinction between those two, and banks sometimes very trickily, I don't know if that's a word, but in a tricky way, <laughs> they, they don't make a very uh, big distinction between a loan proposal and a loan approval. What's the difference? Well, it's kind of like a pre-qualification letter and an approval letter when you're buying your house. Um, an, a, a proposal is a bank's letter or statement to you, the borrower, saying this, if we do approve the loan, these are terms that we could possibly offer you. An approval loan should clearly state at the top, this is a loan approval, which is a formal document, and those rates should be able to be locked in on that, on that approval letter. So an approval letter is formal, a proposal letter is hey, here's what we could do if we decide to approve it. Yeah, okay, so the proposal is if and possibly with the rate and all those things, mm -hmm. um, and an approval. And, and the way to notice the difference, you said, you said top of the document, if I'm looking at you know, something from a banker, how will I be able to tell the difference? From B of A's and for most dental lenders, specific lenders, it will say specifically at the top, this is a loan approval um, on a proposal, it, the documentation should read um, very close to the top. This is not this is not a formal loan approval. This is contingent upon underwriting approval. It should be clearly stated on there. And if not, maybe a red flag on who yeah. you're talking to. Yeah. So the the first thing to note is if you're a buyer and you've got an approval from say Bank of America, and then you've got a proposal from another bank, you might not be comparing apples to apples because that proposal is still theoretical. It hasn't been through the underwriting process. No one has signed off on the interest rate and the terms and the other things we're going to talk about. Okay, got Correct. it. Correct. Mm -hmm. All right, so, Mike, you're now a buyer. You've got your two approvals sitting in front of you. You printed them off. They're sitting on your desk, okay? Okay. Before we get into the why, what would be the factors that you would look at, the, the things on the page that you would um, line up side by side to compare these two loans and to actually make a decision? What would be kind of top of your list? That's a pretty good question. I think uh, three three things. I think two of them will be on the page and one of them may not be on the page. Uh, so the first would be the cost of doing business. Uh, the cost of the loan. What is the total cost of the loan that you're looking at, loan A and loan B? Uh, so the rate and monthly payment, of course, is a pretty big chunk of that. I would say that's probably 
60 to 70 percent of the cost of your loan. But there are other factors as well, and that could make that rate, uh, you know, a lot lower, maybe 30 or 40 percent. Meaning, are there certain insurances uh, that are required for loan A that are not required for loan B? Um, are there are there banking products that you have to use with loan A uh, that you don't have to use with loan B? Or conversely, are there savings opportunities with either bank on some of those loan proce- uh, products? So uh, the cost of doing business would be probably first and foremost for me. Okay. Number- to be clear, I, I do want to hear number two, but you're you're cheating a little bit, and I, and I, I don't, don't mean this in a mean way. You're cheating a little <laughs> bit by you're kind of lumping in rate, fees, other products, um, you know, insurance requirements, kind of into one category, saying that's sixty to seventy percent. Did I have that? Do I have that right before you go to number two? Correct. Yes. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. Go. Keep going. Uh, then number two is I would look to see what those loan conditions are. And what loan conditions means is that is a list of things that you will need to satisfy or complete before the loan is closed. So maybe loan A and loan B are both for $500,000. They're both for a 3% interest rate on 10 years. Uh, the fees are exactly the same, but loan A requires, um, let's say, uh, a compiled profit and loss statement from the seller. That may be something that's out of your control. That's something that's going to cost money to the seller. Uh, so that's something you probably want to bring up with the seller. Uh, a condition, maybe loan A says you need to relocate to your new, uh, have your new residence established before we fund the loan. And loan, loan B does not require that. So conditions of the loan would be number two, would be another thing that I would look at. Um, and then number three is your experience. Uh, and there's kind of a lot that goes into that. Um, I could describe to you how the whole loan process works on the back end. I'm sure you'd be very bored by that. We but, did last, you know, right? I think we did. A little bit okay. Okay. Well, hopefully everyone stayed, stayed tuned through that. Um, but experience for me is, are, is your banker accessible and are they setting realistic expectations with you? Um, things are going to come up throughout your tenure as an ownership or as an owner, probably it's going to be five, 10, 20 years, perhaps. Um, do you have a direct line to that person? And you can get a pretty good idea of that in the first two weeks of working with someone. Are you calling someone's direct number or are you calling an 800 number? Now, I would say that that's probably of the three things. I would love to say that it should be number one, but it's probably number three. I would put the cost of the loan number one, probably 60%, let's say. Conditions, maybe 25, uh, experience 15. Yeah, Those can call- vary, of course. Interesting. Okay. Um and I call that third one you you said kind of the the working together. I, I always call that the process. How was okay. that process? What was your? You said use the word experience. Back on conditions, um, you know this is interesting because some of the conditions you mentioned, possible conditions, I often see under cost of the loan. Right, uh, you have to have life and disability insurance of X Y Z amount. Uh, you have to have business insurance of X Y Z amount. You must have uh, this much cash in your bank account on the day of closing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, those are some of the costs. You kind of put those in the cost bucket. But I have seen other closing conditions like you must live within, you know, this radius of the practice. Or uh, I'm trying to think of what are some other. Or know, if, if you're relocating, you must sell your previous home before uh, before closing the loan. That, that's a big one, especially for me covering the Southwest. We have a lot of people moving into Arizona and Utah right now. So I see that condition quite a bit. Okay, that makes sense. And I've seen some military ones where you have to have the, uh, I'm forgetting the number, but there's a, 
you know, a letter, and I think it's different for Army and, and Navy, et cetera, but, you know, you have to have this discharge letter in hand before you can close mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Okay. Yep. Correct. That makes sense. All right. So um, you said a dentist could assess the experience, or the word that I use is process. You, you said, you know, 20 to 25% of the decision would be based on, on their experience working with you and your team. Um, give me some milestones, landmarks, clues, hints that your average buyer who's never borrowed money from a, a dental lender before, what can they be watching for to assess process? Oh, that's good. Um, how quickly does someone get back to you? Now, some of us are very busy and we can't, uh, we can't answer every call, we can't answer every text. But what I can do is let you know when I can get back to you. Um, I can give you, the, and where that service comes into play is, is of course, post-close, post but you get a really, really good idea of that throughout the approval process. And especially once you're approved, because most bankers, if they're pretty good, they have approvals all over the country. They, and um, some of them will just look for signatures and, and move on. But you'll be able to tell if you have a lot of intricate questions when a banker is busy, if they really want your business, they'll answer those. They'll answer those in detail and articulately. Um, and that's very likely what they'll do when your CPA needs a document 12 months in, or you're thinking about selling uh, and you need to negotiate a prepayment. Um, do you have a direct line to your banker? Those things can be the difference of thousands and thousands of dollars. So to repeat back what I heard, I heard um, timeliness of response. Mm -hmm. um, do, do you feel like the banker took the time to adequately answer your questions in a way that you feel comfortable with? And, and then I also hear you saying, implicitly, and I'll, I'll phrase this in my words, what I hear you saying is, hey, the bank is going to lead with their best foot. They're going to put the Mike Pakulas of the world, the, um, you know, the, the very best people forward in the process. And, um, I, and I like to joke, you know, the, the servicing team, the people servicing the loan, um, you know, I, <laughs> hey, this isn't fair. Don't, don't uh, send them this recording. The servicing team, they're like the B team, right? If they were the A team, they'd be in the front. They'd be the salespeople. They'd be glad-heading. They'd be kind of out front. So um, if if the A team isn't very good, you can be pretty sure the B team is not going to be that great either. Maybe that's not fair to the B team, but am I articulating that right? Uh, yeah, that's fair enough. Sure. I'll go with that. I don't <laughs> not, not your B team, but everybody else's. Right, right, right. Yeah. Okay. But now you can get a pretty good glimpse of that. Um, my, in my opinion, when you're asking questions about a loan approval, um, okay. because there aren't, there's no such thing in my opinion as too many questions, or there's no such thing as a dumb question. It's the kind of debt you're taking out to pay off the rest of your debt and to retire uh, and to create a legacy. So ask away. Uh, if someone gets a little annoyed by that, they're probably not going to answer your phone call again after you sign the dotted line. That's a good point. That does happen. And it pisses me off. Um, okay. Um, you compete against other banks around the country all the time. I know you do. And um, so let me ask the, the, the reverse of my first question. Um, I asked you to tell me what factors do matter when I've got both loan approvals sitting in front of me. When another banker is trying to win your client's business, your potential client's business, and they're bringing up things to try to sway the, uh, the buyer, what arguments do you hear other banks and other bankers make on, you know, factors on a loan approval that actually don't matter at all? Like what, what are the spurious arguments that a buyer might hear from another banker? Oh, those are, oh, that's good. Um, poof. I, 
I, I guess one could be prepayment penalty. Okay. So I could see ver- there are certain circumstances, perhaps if you're refinancing a loan, which is not likely the audience that we're going to be speaking to right now. But if that's the case and they may want to sell or be able to sell at any point without uh, wanting that prepayment penalty, then sure, maybe a one-year prepay may be advantageous for that for that particular borrower. But f- 99 times out of 100, people that take loans out with B of A do not pay off that loan in the first five years. So, uh, and you typically will get the lowest interest rate and the best cost of the loan with the, uh, the five-year prepay. So I would, I, I guess one of them is people saying, well, Bank of America has a five-year prepay with us. You'll only have one, uh, one year, but you'll pay a much, you know, a little bit of a higher interest rate. I, I just don't see people paying off their loan in the first five years. Another way that I would phrase that is uh, exact. Yeah. It's um, banker a says our, our pre-approval or excuse me, our um, um, prepayment penalty is five years. Banker B says, well, ours is only three years therefore pick our loan. And what you're saying is for 99% of the borrowers out there, prepayment penalty is worthless. I would add, we're listening, we're recording this, you know, 2022, uh, inflation is seven plus percent. Dental loans are three in change, right? So banks in a very real mathematical sense are actually paying you to go buy a practice. Um, you know, our interest rates going to go up or down. No one knows the future. I certainly don't. Uh, but it seems likely more, more likely they might go up. Therefore, yeah. prepayment penalty becomes a little bit less of a factor. Okay, so um, what else would you add to prepayment penalty, if anything? Well, I guess for me, for me personally, I think that uh, other bankers are often intimidated by the the size of our portfolio at B of A, and so they say, "Well, you're you're calling a big bank. You're just going to another big bank," um, which you know. It's true. I, I work for Bank of America, but like I had said earlier in the previous webinar, uh, they do let us continue to run this as a small business. So you will be able to figure that out very quickly throughout your process. It, it, uh, excuse me, the initial process with your banker. Make sure that it feels you have the local bank feel with the big bank backing. Uh, you'll always get that with me, but I I, I suggest you I suppose you'll get that with the other my other B of A colleagues. But you may talk to other big banks that you'll get the feeling that they are, you're working with a big bank. Um, so yeah, I, I get that a lot. Now uh, I'll throw one at you. You tell me if you agree. Um, I got into doing what I'm doing through financial planning. So I have, um, CFP behind my name and some other things, right? So I tend to think it's smart for almost everyone borrowing money to buy a practice, especially when you have two, three, six hundred thousand dollars in student loans and you're about to go borrow another million or whatever. I think you're, asking for trouble if you don't have life and disability insurance, an additional amount when you go borrow some money. But I hear some banks will compete and they'll say, hey, we, we're not going to require life and disability insurance, therefore pick our loan, to which I respond, well, that's stupid. You should have life and disability insurance pretty much no matter what, unless you're single and independently wealthy. Agree, disagree? I agree with you completely. I think, yeah, personally, to take my BMA hat off, uh, I think that you should have life and disability insurance. And what the banks mean by we don't require that is if they don't, if it's not a condition of the loan, what that means is they don't require it to be assigned to the bank. Now, sometimes in a Bank of America loan, if the exposure is over a million and a half, $1.5 million, we will require a life insurance policy to be assigned to the bank, meaning you would need an additional policy 
for one for the amount of the loan to be assigned to the bank that would not be assigned to the borrower. So I yes, I think you should always be covered there. What the banks mean by we don't require it means they don't need an additional policy assigned to the bank. Last question, it's a quick one, is I've lined up my two loan approvals and I've made a decision. How do I actually, what's the mechanic, what are the mechanics of making a decision on the loan approval? And how do I pick the bank? I, yeah, I think back to our first question. I, I, for me, I'm a visual person, so I get a piece of paper out. I put the pros and cons. I put the actual cost. I've got them. I've got them in front of me. How do I let? How do I let the bankers know? Like th- this is a simpler question than what do you hear? Oh, answer. oh. Um, I I guess I would always appreciate probably calling the bank that you're not going to go with first. Um, okay. And be professional. Uh, have that conversation. Thank them for their time if they deserve it, which very likely they would. Uh, you're going to have to have a lot of difficult conversations in your tenure as a business owner. It's best to start uh, now. And look, we'll we'll get over it. It happens quite a bit. We'll wish you luck. Uh, at least the professional ones will. But I think make that call first. Um, yeah, give them thanks, and then and then and then call the bank you're going with. Call the bank that you're not going with first, then call the bank you are going with. Um, and I think, uh, I don't remember, I think I have to sign a piece of paper and send it back to you at some point, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah. So, so and I guess the order of, of telling which bank, it doesn't really matter. Okay. Um, but yeah, you would sign you would sign your paperwork and return it to, to that bank. Yep. Got it. Perfect. That's how to decide between two loans. Michael Pakula, thank you.